0: Hey, hey, y'all, I'm Stephanie and Black education has never responded to, supported, nor honored the full cultural being of what being Black in America is. The education of Black scholars has been consistent in perpetuating Eurocentric beliefs and ideas.
1: No cap, Steph. Hey, y'all, I'm Amber. And as an educator of Black students, we seriously need a place to ensure that all educators of Black scholars are versed in the full being of their students. We're
0: We're Root root of the Matter. Root of the Matter is a community where educators of black and brown scholars reflect on history, challenge current constructs, and support each other in being the best they can be for their scholars.
1: We are a community rooting teachers in what really matters. Now let's get to rooting, y'all.
0: Black people, hey, put your fist up high. You're a king, you're a queen, you are great by design. Black people, hey, put your fist up high. You'll achieve anything if you use your mind. What up, what up, y'all? How
1: y'all doing? Welcome back to another freaking episode. Got that right. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, how y'all doing out there? Let's just start by saying I'm doing wonderful. Y'all can't see, but my face is beat.
1: God. Yes, y'all. The girl Steph is over here looking flawless. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Next yes. time we're going to have some... We're going to take some pictures. It's going to be on the page. Make sure you give the girl some likes, some some love, some shine. Yeah, boost my head a little bit, okay? <laughs> but alright, so let's go ahead and start with our
0: temperature check, y'all. So, for me, um, I've been on this, like, it's not old school, because that would hurt my heart, but I've been on this, like, vibe of, like, listening to, like, 90s R&B And the song that's just like been on repeat For me the last week and a half Has been No Scrubs by TLC
1: Okay um,
0: Yes, so I've been I don't want no scrubs uh, Scrubs a guy can't, can't get, get no love, love from me, me. Oh <laughs> and Sometimes the remix, I Don't Want No Pigeons, comes in my head. And it be does. I've like, <laughs> been singing that too. But that's like the vibe I've been on is just like, just bobbing and vibing to some good old 90s music.
1: For sure, for sure. I mess with it. I mess with it. I love TLC. Who's your favorite TLC uh, member of all times?
0: Okay, so I feel like she does not get enough love. Um, Chili.
1: For sure. I love Chili. Aw, like, she's so sweet. You are you look and you are a Chili fan.
0: You, yes. you give me Chili vibes. Because she's so laid back and chill. But at the same time, if you mess with her, she's going to pop off. Yeah. So it's like, she's like, okay, I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you do you. But at the end of the day, I'm also going to do me at the same time.
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. You know. Love you some Chili. She's okay. That's not my vibe. Wait, who is yours? For show, sure, T boss I knew it. Like <laughs> the girl, every bit of ratchet for me. I love her. Yeah. You know, but then but you don't know that about her until you know she mm. got a little spicy persona to her, but at the same time you don't know that her spice is as much of a bite as it is. Reasons why I F with her. I so, love T Boss. Funny story. <laughs> What'd you do?
0: Oh gosh. In undergrad? Mm-hmm. I was the president of NAACP. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we almost got sued by T-Boss. So. <laughs> but we worked it out. We figured it out. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but yeah, that's like a story that don't goes Don't sue down in the us, T-Boss. Please. We ain't got it yet. Please don't. I don't but sue yeah. us.
1: But I do love
0: you. I still love you. I do love you. I still love the music.
1: For sure, for but sure. But you
0: almost sued your girl. <laughs> a college student with no money. But okay.
1: Well... I, my song right now is an ATL Woo-hoo! native. I'm not from ATL y'all. So, but she's from ATL. Um, Sierra's. Oh, like I will never forget the scene when she had like the hood on and she was dancing Yo, and on top like, of the car. yes. And it just, I remember being a JIT in high school or middle school or whenever that came out. I'm telling my age right now. But, like, <laughs> I remember being a young JIT and, like, being in front of the TV and, like, oh, I'm going to learn these Listen, dance moves. The pop- Listen, <laughs> up. Right? <laughs> Listen, can't
0: dance to save my life. But I'm going I'm to figure it out. Yes. I yeah,
1: I stole this song, actually, um, from something I'm doing this summer. Uh, one of the girls in my cohort, she this was her, like, turn up song that got her in the mood and i was like oh my gosh i have to add this on um it's definitely odie but Goody, and luda's on there too you know i said odie but goodie and it's on the goodies album that what? is true okay <laughs> yes look at divine intervention y'all y'all would have never really thought it Listen,
0: happened. that is a that's a song right there the yes. whole album actually is a, it's a classic bob. So it's definitely
1: a bop it's definitely a i
0: bob. actually have the whole
1: album on my <laughs> phone <laughs> apple music listen to it all the time when i work out tomorrow you know i might not be listening to lma i might be listening to sierra's album for sure for listen sure. she'll get you through so um we got a question of the day to round out our do now this morning or whenever you're listening to um so what is culturally relevant We have some supporting evidence for you, all right? So this is coming to you from um, at Black Media Page on Insta. Uh, And it was a person puzzle math question. Math question. (laughs) Underscore bold, italicized math. All right. Question says, Angelou was sexually abused by her mother's blank. At age eight, which shaped her career choices and motivations for writing. Using the math formula given, students had to choose boyfriend, brother, or father as the answer. There's a lot wrong. (laughs) This particular math question um, was used twice um, to our knowledge. Uh, 2017 in Pennsylvania and 2022 in Missouri. So, Steph. Thoughts, answers to the question, what is culturally
0: relevant? It ain't this. <laughs> it ain't this, that, or any of the stuff above or below. Look, well, um, I don't know what
1: you thought you was doing.
0: As as a math teacher, as a math teacher, this is not a question that you should give your students to be culturally relevant. Please don't get me. Listen. Okay. It's, it's just not because I, I see what you did there, and it was still wrong you were trying to pull something out your ass <laughs> but it didn't work like and that's the thing people think like culture being culturally relevant means that you have to talk about what's going on within that community like what's going on in black culture what's going on in asian culture what's going on in hispanic latin culture and that's not it you don't have to do that being culturally relevant can talk about the age group. Mm. It can talk about, like, it can talk about anything. Anything. It does not have to be towards their race. And that's what blows my mind is, like, people think being culturally, culturally relevant has to talk about race. It
1: doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, uh, real quick on what you just said about it doesn't have to touch on race. I think about how my husband constantly tells me uh, about his pride in growing up in Miami. And, like, it's a tropical place. And how many other U.S. places can call themselves tropical in terms of climate? Exactly. And, like, that is a true, like, point of joy that he has in being able to say, like, we're tropical. And he wears that as a badge of honor. So, like, I feel you when you talk about, like, culturally relevant because that's culturally relevant for Miami. Um, exactly in terms of this question one it was triggering um because part of me want to know is like what age group is this question for um because now we're talking about like sexual abuse and is that something that your students are comfortable with engaging with like you know i think about like what Mm. they've told us is like my math teaching education time right they've always talked about you know making questions that are relevant to students and relevance could be uh, how close the proximity to it and their engagement with it and so if I have been exposed to abuse I'm not going to want to talk about this at all nor am I going to want to grapple with a math question to tell you which one because what if it was a mother's brother and like That's your uncle, bro.
0: Exactly. And what if
1: my uncle did rape me? You know, now I have to live with that and I have to answer this math question. Or
0: your grandfather, because it says mother's father. Like, that could have been someone that actually did go through that. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. And it's like, you're trying to be inspiring, saying that, oh, it it, uh, projected her career, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, you're bringing up negativity about her. That's the other issue I have. Mm -hmm. You're bringing up something negative about her to try and make it inspirational. It's like, no, you don't do that in other said cultures, one culture in particular. So why are you doing it in ours? Y'all know I'm always coming for it. Um so that's like the that's like it's just so much wrong with this. And also it's just like it's really not that like in a math class I will say it is difficult to be culturally relevant. But it's something as simple as James went to the store and bought a bag of Takis.
1: Yo, the kids like, being the red, the blue, the, the lime. Talkies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. After he got them <laughs> licking all his fingers. <laughs> like,
0: it could be something like that. Or you could put a street that they walk down all the time. You can even talk about something that happens in the school. I, this year, made a math problem about how the principal, who they actually loved a lot, went around to each class. Oh, no, went around to one class. Um in each grade level, to ask them what was their favorite ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this representative of the entire school? I was like, is this skewed data, or is it... I forgot what I, whatever it was. But I was like, does it represent the entire school? And they were like, no. And they were jumping all over the question, because it was something that they can relate to. Right. It's not that difficult. It's, it's not.
1: not. It's really not. And it's so sad. Um, and before, like, yeah, This ain't it. This ain't it. Culturally relevant is a lot more than race, like you said. Um, And until, yeah.
0: The others figure that (laughs) out. Because we know who did this, the others.
1: We do, we do, we do. And you know, I'm really interested to what level, because, okay, this came out twice, right? came out in 2017 and 2022 because homie in 2022 I ain't learned from homie in 2017 there's no way
0: that you just found this flipping through some papers you had to google this question that
1: was malintent so now we're talking about you're intentionally harming my community exactly. and the black community
0: exactly and
1: you're intentionally putting stereotyped images in what could potentially be allied you know here yeah and here's what i'm thinking okay
0: to give the benefit of the doubt, maybe it was someone who was like who had good intentions. They were also probably trying to rush to find something for the day, you know. It happens. It happens. But this is what you get when you don't do your research. Facts. Do Facts. your research.
1: And before you know us ending this, I do want to talk about some positivity that Maya Angelou did. You know, she is a poet. She's a writer. She is an author. She has done some immaculate work. You know, my Activist. favorite. Activist, yes. Um, one of my favorites being Roots, she worked on, um, or mm. Why the cage Bird Sings. That. So, you know, she she's a positive person, and I'm appreciative of her being somebody that I share common identities with as a black woman. Big fans. Um, and such. And such. Love her work. For sure. Well, today, um, we are getting into being black in an American education system, looking at slavery and how that has impacted. Um, our introduction is actually a poem by the Phyllis Wheatley. Um, it's called On Being Brought From Africa to America. "'Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, Taught my benighted soul to understand That there's a God, that there's a savior too, once I redemption neither sought nor knew. Some view our sable race with scornful eye; their color is a diabolic dye. Remember, Christians, Negroes, black as Cain, may be refined, and joineth angelic train. Um, snaps to feedless Wheatley. As we wanted to empower her voice in the space um as someone who did experience slavery um and did experience that transition in um today in our conversation about being black during slavery we're going to talk on a couple of things um knowing that our time frame is from 1619 to 1866 um and again we we understand that slavery happened in a number of areas, and it came from a number of directions, but for the purposes of this conversation, we'll be looking at the European-African connection and origin therein, Uh, and we, like I said, give respects to the Spaniards, Native Americans, and all others impacted by slavery. 1619 is when the first Dutchmen settled and brought with them slaves, and...
0: In 1866, this is when all Blacks learned that they were free. So keeping this in mind, 1619 to 1866, Mm -hmm. this is the era that we're talking about with slavery. And within this era, the three attributes that we came up with was the lack of access that um, enslaved people had, Um, also the fear of African-Americans receiving education, And also um, this idea of having a strong sense of connection to religion. So with that being said, we're gonna go ahead and jump into it and we're gonna start with the lack of access. So go ahead.
1: So when you think about slaves having access, right? What access did they really have besides following what their masters had to say and told them to do um they didn't have the right to to form union like if you think about like marriage that wasn't a thing they didn't have the right to assemble um they didn't have the right to vote um they didn't have the right to like move and care for uh, mm-hmm. their families in in a real meaningful way like how many stories have we heard about, like, families being separated and sold in different directions or babies being taken from their parents uh, and stuff? All to break down the black man. Yeah. Break down the black family. Right. Like, it
0: was that lack, because of the lack of access, because of being the three-fifths, <laughs> a, a, pers- a black person is three-fifths of a person, um, because we were seen, we weren't seen as a whole human being. We weren't given those rights and um, the rights and the access that we needed in order to even educate ourselves to even get to where we needed to be. So it's like just kind of interesting to see how the lack of access plays, um, even with like how you were saying with us struggling to even be seen as a person that's why we were well our ancestors not we i never mm-hmm. experienced it but that's why my ancestors um were so easily able to be sold to another person or have their families ripped apart because they just didn't know mm-hmm. it's unfortunately sad to say
1: they didn't know and you know too like this might be jumping ahead in the score of what slavery was, but there was so many revolts and Mm -hmm. like insurrections in a positive light, you know, but a lot of like, I'm going to fight to like this, what should be mine, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you think about before they even got here, how many people didn't make the journey from Africa to America? you know they were stacked
0: on top of each other they
1: were I was reading like when I was doing some research right it was talking about how they would just jump over and they would see the the sharks in the water but they would still choose to jump off the the boat in those situations or or like what is that quote I'll never forget I went to the African American museum in DC if Mm. you haven't gone go go Definitely take you a shot, hit you, you know, whatever you need to do to to relax some, you need to go ahead and do that. Because when I tell you I went downstairs and the level and the gravity of what my people had to go through, um, it was humbling. You know, I, I'm privileged to have my great-grandmother who will be 100, I believe, this year. She's been turning 100, y'all, since I can remember. But anywho, <laughs> Medea has told me, and she might be mad I told y'all her age, so if you know her, don't say you know her age because she's <laughs> a young Tinderoni. Anywho, Medea shared with me, like, so many stories about being young and while she wasn't during slavery you know, her situation was a lot more comparable to what it was during slavery than where we are now. And the ignorance of, of blacks having a self-identity and the avoidance of hearing the black voice during slavery was so disheartening, I feel like, for me and so when I went down there in the African American Museum and I'm seeing like this ship left Africa and came here and 700 people boarded but only one person got off alive like that part it was just depleting to hear what they would rather do you know Um, and they they hadn't even learned what was really happening it was
0: something within them like so what you made me think about was the quote and I looked it up Okay. Um, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage
1: and mm.
0: they were seeing what they were being how they were being treated even prior to even getting to this new land mm-hmm. so it's like if I'm being treated this way mm-hmm. like clearly Death is way better than this, like, Mm -hmm. because you already had to go through hell and high water, literally, to get here. Mm -hmm. You think it's going to be any better? No. Mm -hmm. Bury me with my ancestors, because...
1: Wow. hmm,
0: It's way better than bondage.
1: It is. It is. Mm -hmm. It's so...
0: Yeah, Some to say that is, like, it's just so impactful, like, to express, like, how severe what our ancestors went through once they got here.
1: How are you... I have a question. Mm-hmm. You may not have an answer, but I have a question. I'm listening. I'm trying to figure out how to form it. <laughs> now, take your time. But, take your time. But I, I'm really confused right now because I don't understand how you can take me from my home and say... That you have something better for me. And then you treat me like... like, crap. Yeah. Like, how does that work?
0: In all honesty, I don't have an answer for that. (laughs) Um, Because it's like, it's something that it really just doesn't make sense. How do you feel like you know what's better for me? When no human knows what's best, first of all. Only God. First of all,
1: if we really want to talk about who knows what's up, <laughs>
0: my Lord and Savior is the only one. So that and it's like clearly like you there's something wrong with you for you to even think that you're better than another person. Yeah. Based off of the <laughs> color of their skin.
1: That's a pl- problem with us right now, you know? A lot of problems. A lot of problems. We're not going to go there. We aren't. Cuz you know there. I can start. Listen, you got me thinking about something, but I'm going to save it for y'all for a little bit. Um,
0: mm. Okay, calm down, calm
1: down. <laughs> I got All a little right. excited, you know, because it's, it's just what we could have done if just given given the basics, you know? Yes. Like, I think You're about... You're like going ahead, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think about like... Okay, I'm thinking about... Um, which one call it? What's that thing called? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm. and how? Like, Go ahead, teacher. At that base <laughs> level, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At that base level, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like you need your your physical being, right? Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to provide a home. I need to know where food is. Exactly. I need to those basic things. And while some slaves did have you know, some of these things, they they didn't know that they had them.
0: Exactly. They didn't know
1: where it was coming from. They didn't know if they would get it. Did they really have it, though? But because I'm, it could be stripped away from but them. But that's what I'm saying. Like, they didn't know if they would be able to maintain it. True. You know what I okay. mean? Like, they, they weren't the best, but we've seen, like, slave living quarters. Right. Mm -hmm. So like they had basic shelter. Now, am I saying it's a, it's even a one star? No,
0: it ain't. Cause (laughs) baby.
1: (laughs) Right. But I mean, in in theory, it covers that, but it's the threat that I could lose it at any point is the problem. And it makes me think of, uh, uh, Great debaters. When he talks about like taking the mind and the mentality, if I can strip you mm-hmm. of what you, what mm-hmm. strength, you, oh. yeah. yeah, it makes me think of that because it's like I stripped you of your culture because exactly. I brought you to mine. I stripped you of your ability to plan and provide, mm-hmm. and now I'm controlling that. And I've stripped you of your ability, yes, to to be a part of something.
0: Mm -hmm. And then that's where that lack of access comes into play because it's like, if I've taken everything from you and then I don't give you what you need, Mm -hmm. that's where that confusion comes in. Well, Mm -hmm. who am I? Mm What am I? Am I worth anything? Mm -hmm. That's where all of that comes in and it makes you believe, but because you don't have access to things, then you are three-fifths of a person Mm -hmm. that you do have to listen to this person because they know best. Mm -hmm. If you take everything away from somebody... Take away a phone from a kid. (laughs) They have no idea who they are. So just imagine taking away, like stripping someone bare naked of everything that they have. They were once a king. Mm. Now they're being treated like a peasant. They're lost and confused. And if you keep them in that mentality for so long, going across the ocean on a boat. Hmm.
1: I found the quote. I'm going to read it just because I like the quote. Tolson says, take the meanest, most restless nigga, strip him of his clothes in front of the remaining male niggas, female niggas and nigga infants, tar and feather him, tie each leg to a horse facing in opposite directions, set him on fire and beat both horses until they tear him apart in front of male, female and nigga infants. Bull whip and beat the remaining nigga infants with an inch of their life. Do not kill them, but put the fear of God in them, for they can be useful for future breeding. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Mm. Anybody? Raise your hand. No one. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. The word lynching came from his last name. His methods were very simple, but they were diabolical. There's that diabolical word. There we go. (laughs) Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak. And dependent on the slave master. Keep the body and take the mind. And that's where that the book came from. I forgot what the book is called,
0: but like something like how to break down a nigga or something like that. I can't remember what it's called, but he's the one I think he's the one that wrote that book. And that's where this breaking down the black man, breaking down the black family came from to break them down mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally so that they could build them up into what they wanted. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's wild. And it's just like every time I think about this like thinking about what my ancestors went through. So sad. Alright, so now let's go ahead and push this discussion on. Let's move into our second attribute which is the fear of African Americans um, or the enslaved being educated. And you can look into it and even just see where the fear came from. Like, just naming these next few people and society um, where white people were fearful of it. Like, because not trying to jump ahead, but once a black person knew, <laughs> they knew. They knew. <laughs> they knew what was wrong. And they was like, I'm about to get up out of here. You have Nat Turner. Mm -hmm. You have Harriet Tubman. You have Mr. Du Bois himself. You have um, FAS, which is Free African Society. And all of these different uh, people and organizations, once they were educated, once they knew, and once they realized that their people were being treated wrong, they were being treated wrong, they wanted to do something about it. And that's what made um, white people or slave masters fearful of the enslaved and African-Americans because it's like once they gained some glimpse of education, it was just like all hell broke loose, World War Three Because if how the white man thought is if they don't know, they can't do. If you don't know you're enslaved, then you cannot do anything about you being enslaved. Like, oh. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop here, but I got to talk about my movie Alice. You know I've been
1: talking about this movie Alice. I'm not for it. I'm not for it. I'm not for it.
0: But (laughs) yeah, like,
1: I mean, it goes back to the same quote from the Great Debaters, right? Like, if I take your mind, you know, that's all I need to control you. And so when you started to have these black leaders emerge because they saw themselves as More than the image that whites and their masters portrayed them as.
0: They knew they weren't three-fifths of a person.
1: They knew. They knew who they were and whose they were. And not only did they do that, but they also held this understanding of, I have to help my people, like you said. Mm -hmm. And so that connection to not only liberate themselves, but liberate those that were also in bondage like them, really... Was a stressor for their masters because they're like, not only do I have to deal with this nigga responding the way he wants to respond, but now he's trying to get followers too. That and part. you know, this is where the Bible, where two or three are gathered, like it's easier to subdue one man, but when you got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight M's. M's in my bank. Account. <laughs> but yeah, like when you got all them, what you really about to do? You know? And so, like the concerted effort of blacks to work together, to to get out, you know, how many slaves did Harriet Tubman, not only did she free herself, but did she help in getting free in general? Exactly. She she got the knowledge that she needed.
0: And then she said, no, I'm not going to just um, use that knowledge to benefit me. I'm going to use that knowledge to benefit all my people.
1: Mm-hmm. Let
0: my people go. ASAP. <laughs> like, you know
1: what it, it has me thinking of is, uh, this is kind of current, but like gatekeepers mm. and how like in the black community now, so many people win, Yes. right? But how many more people could be winning if you stop holding on to information?
0: That part. That part.
1: And so like that, oh, like that's how they keep us enslaved now, bro. Exactly. That's how, because... Because we, we have lack of access. We, and you know, lack of community. We, as a people, what we were able to do, what our ancestors were able to do to get out of slavery was work together. You know, they found something that worked, and not only did they figure out how it worked, but they, they put as many people through that same passage exactly. as for them. You know, They say, as a leader, you need to leave a footprint for others to follow. Exactly. You know? And so, like, what footprint was being led when you had these academic leaders, these educated leaders who took it upon themselves to learn? Like, Nat Turner was going around preaching to people. Yes.
0: Okay. I just had this big old... Do it, epiphany. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe it's like it's already been said. It probably already has been said. Um... But it's like, think about all these leaders that we've had come through and help black people, like, progress. And I'm going to say when black people, like, the decline of black people progressing, and I'm not saying that we're, like, not doing anything now, but there's more people who are just letting things go by the wayside now than it used to be. I'm going to say that started when the
1: crack epidemic started. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when things started going downhill. It, the crack epidemic took our mind. Think it about it. Like, we are no longer acting as ourselves. We're chasing, like, I don't know if I'm confusing. I'm not really versed on drugs. Um, That's not my thing. But I believe, like, it might be heroin I'm talking about, but they chased that first hit. Mm-hmm. And that's why they keep going back is to get that exactly. first hit, but you'll never get that first hit again.
0: Exactly. Because you've already like, it's already been something that's like been introduced to your body. So your body's, every time you do it, it's getting used to it each time.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and I'm changing like, my mental now to be fixated on this event that will never exactly. occur again. I'm not focused on these other things that I have going on in my life.
0: I'm just trying to get the next I'm trying to escape from reality. <laughs> of being treated like crap
1: listen listen I was uh I was reading about Harriet Tubman and she was just such an awe inspiring woman because she was just like you know I'm either gonna be liberated or I'm gonna be dead and so whichever one I'm gonna be is what I'm gonna be and until mm -hmm. one of them happens I'm gonna make sure the other one is going so like Understanding and like you said with the people who the quote you read earlier about jumping off of the boat and choosing death over bondage, you know she said, "Bondage was just an option for me. It's liberation or death." And like understanding her her passage forward was an opportunity for her to path away for her community for other slaves. To also have this same mindset that they've never had before.
0: Okay, so quick plug. I've been y'all. I've been trying to get her to watch this movie. Alice, I'm not watching no
1: Alice, bro.
0: Bro, but no. it's just like this. No. Okay, so quick plug. If for I Alice. watch Alice,
1: you watch it. I've seen it though. Okay, i have to think of a new movie. you ain't See, to
0: see. <laughs> watch Ouija. <laughs> nah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, but no. So quick plug for Alice. Like, is this movie um? I think—I know that Kiki Palmer and Common had something to do with, like, creating it, and they're in it. And basically, Kiki Palmer is enslaved. Mm. And there's a couple of twists and turns to it, but she goes to the future. um, And she finds out all of this stuff about slavery and, you know, what happened and all this other good stuff— and she's like nah this ain't right I gotta go free my people so she went back and freed her family and it's like yeah. through all the twists and turns not trying to give it away but it's like once she Maybe became I'll educated Alice. listen it, like when I'm telling you it blew my mind I was in the movie theater like what like it was wild but like it was just so good to watch like the process of someone who was enslaved and them like realizing like, you know, I like, I went through this, like, this is what I'm going through. It's not right. Let me fix it for my, like, you know, for the future. Let me fix it for the people that are like in front of me. And just like how you like just watching her take on that person and feeling like the empowerment and how after She went back and the white man was like, no, you can't do this. And she was like, watch me. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just so empowering to see her be like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do me. And my family's going to do me too. Like, going to do them too. Like, it was just, it was amazing. I think everybody should see the movie. We'll
1: see. We'll see. We'll see. You know, this Free African Society organization as well. um, While it was started by some religious leaders... It, it provided a community support. Um, I think about, like, the black. Nowadays, you would think of the Free African Society as, they're not now, but they would be comparable to, like, the Black Panther Party or the NAACP mm-hmm. um, or, you know, SMIC. urban. Yeah, yeah. Those types of organizations. And the fact that, like, while slavery was occurring, groups of people were coming together and said we gotta do this for our people um you know they provided opportunities to fellowship opportunities to worship um they gave money for people whose Mm -hmm. families were sick like the wraparound services we say school needs nowadays they gave they gave during slavery
0: they gave their last at that too like you had to be giving your last in order to make it run there's no way that people were given their first.
1: And and you know, too, one thing I like, I'm a Christian. I, I, let me rephrase. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a coon for Christ is what I like to say. And the reason why I want to rephrase is because I think the stigma that Christians get um, is that we are closed and you have to be a certain cookie cutter way. And I disagree with that sentiment and stance. I feel like whoever you are, whatever you did, do, desire to do, I'm going to still love you because you're still a person at the end of the day. And it ain't my responsibility to judge or whatnot. But it is my responsibility to love and support. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's what, you know, the society did. Like, they said, bump how we define ourselves. Yeah, we're religious. But these people need to be serviced. And if what I believe is true, then helping somebody... Is not going to produce harm. Exactly. You know, and so, like, of course, masters were fearful of things like this because this is power now. This is community. This is, like, okay, we're developing patterns to help our own selves and work within the system.
0: Yeah. And this, like, also builds into our next point, um, our next ast- attribute, Y'all are messing up on this word today. Attribute. I can say it. Um, (laughs) The strong connection with religion. Um, Just even thinking about how it
1: was used to control slaves. (laughs) Like what version of the Bible they use? You think? Listen, because there's so many of them now.
0: It. We can Google. It'll be so many different things. Like. King (laughs) James. Like they had to go with King James. That was one of them, most definitely. Um, they didn't use the NIV version, though. (laughs) They sure didn't. They did not use the NIV version. But no. So, like, a way to control like religion was a way for them to control the enslaved, right? So, um the only way that they were teaching slaves to read was you, the use of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would allow the slaves to learn how to read so that they could read the Bible to them. And that's, that's where, where they messed up a little bit because I can read one word over here, I can read it over here too. Facts. So, um, but it was a way for them to be like, okay, I'm not going to educate you, but I'm going to give you just enough education so that it could benefit me.
1: And then I'm skewing the religion that I'm teaching you. To ensure mm-hmm. that, like, you follow what you what I want you to follow. Exactly. So, like, they didn't even have full access to the whole Bible.
0: That part. Which is why it, like... That's a whole other story for another day. We're not going to go there. Um, but, yeah, having this idea of, like, it being, like, skewed, it's like, I'm only going to teach you the parts that are going to benefit me and make you think that I am your lord and savior which is the problem right there it's like no you're taking what you believe in you're taking your religion you're taking this mentality of you being a Christian and you're manipulating it to fit what you needed to fit Mm -hmm. and at that point it's like are you following what the bible does are you following what the bible says clearly you're not we're not here to talk about that but yeah
1: um (laughs) like education really was only for religion for real for real like if you think about during slavery why do I need to educate you it's not for anything else um but only for me to control you and tell you how to go and how to deal Um, exactly
0: exactly so like even thinking like with this idea of um FAS and Quakers Quakers um, actually helped African Americans in the North and helped establish, like, education programs through religion, though. So they used these um, schools and different things like that um, to say that they were, you know, holding church, holding a service. But in all actuality, they were teaching enslaved people how to read, write, all that good stuff so that they can have the white education we'll get into that later um, in order to be able to have the white education white knowledge to free themselves so that's where a lot of the education that enslaved in Af- not enslaved sorry just African Americans in the north um, got their education so that they can later help African Americans in the south
1: you know I also think it's important for us to to talk about the fact that like, religion while masters used it as a controlling mechanisms within the enslaved community they also used religion as like a way to to exit slavery and leave the confines of that even mentally and in their groups you know Mm -hmm. like slaves in, in coming from africa even like they had their own um cultures and customs like islam chantillyism like mm-hmm. those things already existed and they were already performing those customs and so when they came into their circles and in their groups um they they still maintained that sense of of pride in who they were and That's not something they were able to openly do all the time, especially in front of masters and the white folks, but they were able to do that amongst themselves. And when they were able to do that amongst themselves, they were able to liberate themselves in a sense.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: A lot of the songs and hymns that we still sing now in churches are very much from like the pain, the life, the daily habits that slaves had to go through while they were enslaved and stuff.
0: Exactly. And that's like even like how you're talking about like the different cultures and customs that were still brought from our African roots. Mm -hmm. Those were still brought there. They are still seen today in the churches, which brings us to the AME church. For those of us that don't know, African Methodist Episcopal Church. And the very first one was in 1816 and it was formed in Philly. So coming with this thought process and this idea that um, a lot of the cultures and customs that was passed down in Africa in our African um, diaspora, it has been brought into present day. And that's something that is just like actually very cool to see and holds near and dear to a lot of African-Americans because it's like something that we can still hold on to. Mm-hmm. Even though we have this like newfound form of religion... We've made, we found a way to make it our own, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we took something from the white man, we gained the knowledge and education and access of this Eurocentric standpoint view, and we've made it our own. We've adopted it, doctored it up, put a little seasoning on it, <laughs> and made it what it is today.
1: For sure. I want to give shout outs to the only AME church that I've been to. Ebenezer A.M.E. Church under the Reverend Dr. Granger Brownie and co-pastor Joanne Brownie 7707 Allentown Road in Fort Washington, D.C. Maryland, sorry. Like, when I think about the history of religion during slavery, and we've been talking a lot about, like, support and connection and community, um, I've been in a number of churches, not to say I'm a church hopper, but I'm a state hopper. So I clearly have to join multiple (laughs) churches, but like Ebenezer made me feel community. Mm -hmm. It was a mega church. Mm. But when I say like, I felt like the person I was in a 10 person church. Because everybody knew everybody. I might not have known you by name, mm-hmm. but I knew you by smile. Like, it was just comforting. I could sit on a road with someone, and it wasn't that, like, tell your neighbor, hey, and, like, that's how we engaged. But it was just the the spirit. And, like, the leaders in that church were very much all walks. Like, we even had a bikers club at my church. Um, okay. That's what I mean by all walks of life. And it was lit. Like, age group, like, you know, you go to a church and it's usually one age group there mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, it was everybody and it was a mix, and it was just you had a number of, of different groups to join and be a part of.
0: Yes. Okay, so, you're talking about, like, AME churches. I've only been to one AME church my whole entire <laughs> life, too. Um And even though, um, I forgot which parent it is. One of them grew up Methodist, but we didn't go. We, we went to non-denominational my whole life. Um, but in undergrad, the Syracuse University, I went to People's AME. Um, and there was Pastor Jaime. I even still look at some of their uh services on Facebook. Um, because that's you know Facebook was a thing in the undergrad. Mm-hmm. That's dating me. Um, and yeah, so looking at the um the live sessions that they have and different things like that but it was just like very cool like how you were saying how um you just felt so communal like Mm -hmm. even like it was me and another friend we went there um she would go she was more outgoing so she talked to people a lot more than me um and i was in college so i didn't go every weekend um but when we would go He knew our faces, right? He knew my friend by name.
1: That's so nice. And it was a
0: big church. It's a big church. We sat in the last row, but he still knew our faces, knew her name. Um, The security guard, every time we walked in, he was like, y'all going to the back? And we were like, yep, you know, because we late. Like, we just trying (laughs) to get this word. So it was just really cool. And also, like, just, like, being able to every Sunday go downstairs and get a plate. Mm-hmm. Because they knew, like, and they like service college students. They would come and get us. They would pick us up um, and bring us on the bus. I had a car, so I you drove.
1: Don't. Right?
0: They would make. They would make sure to make us leave with a plate. Fried
1: chicken dinner plate.
0: Listen, or them fried
1: fish. That was it.
0: That the I didn't even eat greens, but I ate them greens yes. and that mac and cheese. Yes. And I'm from the south, so <laughs> you like me? Listen, me saying some up north food was good listen. So, it was just really, like, it was so communal. And also, we're sitting here talking about Harriet Tubman. Um, the church was actually a stop on Harriet Tubman's, uh, uh, what is it called? Shoot. Underground. Underground Railroad. There we go. And so, like I was saying, like, there was this scripture at the top, um, and she chose it, and every single time you walked in, you had to tap it. So, it's like, it's pretty cool to be a part of that history and, The church literally being a historical site and seeing the um, history within it. And also just going downstairs where that's where they hid the slaves at. Mm -hmm. Like, I was in that area. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. And it just just, is so much history wrapped within the AME church, which is why it's like, not going to go there. Stop right there. But yeah, which is like, it's just so cool to see the history that is within the AME church and how it still is where it is today.
1: Facts, facts, facts. Well, y'all, let's go ahead and hit this exit ticket up for today.
0: It's meaty, y'all.
1: It is. It's a lot of spicy. Um, I'm going to read the quotes, um, and then Steph is going to introduce our questions to us. Yes. So, quote number one, knowledge makes a man unfit, To be a slave. By Frederick Douglass. And then our second quote. I freed a thousand slaves. I could have saved a thousand more. If only they knew they were slaves. That's by. Harriet Tubman.
0: Yes. So. um, By reading these quotes. It just brought a lot. Out of me through this episode. And. It made me just think about how this idea of being educated, especially mm. during this time, mm-hmm. like if you asked a enslaved person who had just came over from Africa, um, if they were educated, they would have told you yes, mm-hmm. because they were educated on their cultures and customs. Mm-hmm. But if you asked the person who brought them over. They would say no, and that's because they're not educated on their cultures and customs. Mm-hmm. So this idea of knowledge and education is very... I know, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like it's 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 based off a person's perspective. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, ignorance comes from a lack of understanding. And while slaves had knowledge and education of their culture, they were not privy to the customs of those who enslaved them, and vice versa. So, very first question: What then determines the knowledge? Um, what what then determines the knowledge standard, and whose is better? So, for me, to answer this question, I'm going to answer it like this. I'm not the type of person that I am. One, I don't think that I know it all and I think, I think I'm educated and I'm actually trying to hmm, rewind. I'm educated, right? But I'm educated on the Eurocentric westernized standard of education, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is where I've grown up. I'm in Georgia in the US. That's what I know. And being someone who's grown up in the South, my educational background was skewed growing up. And I grew up in the 90s, early 2000s. So all of this, you know, push for culture and all this stuff wasn't a thing back then. Um, So now being older, I'm trying to teach myself. Um, and educate myself on different parts of the world, how they learn, and the benefits, the like pros, cons, all of that. Um, so with that being said, for me, I'm not going to walk into another country and their school system and say, how you're teaching that is wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because... It could be something that's wrong to me because of the, my culture and customs.
1: Yeah.
0: And just how they can't walk up... I feel that they can't walk up into an American school system and say what we're teaching is wrong because this is what fits towards what we're doing. It's a hot mess. But they might be able to help us out. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, um. Det- who did like what determines this knowledge of uh, this knowledge standard that's very hard to say because who is determining the knowledge standard there's no real standard out there as we can see other countries are doing well and other countries aren't yeah but we're also learning so many different things if we all if, if it was to be standardized <laughs> standardized testing mm. then maybe we can compare but we can't compare. When everybody's doing something different, so yeah. whose is better? There's no way to say whose is better because we don't have this standard to go off of. Right. And even the whole idea of like, not even with schooling, like just in general, the customs and ways in which we do things here in the U.S. is completely different in South um, South uh, Africa, mm-hmm. in Brazil, in Australia. In London, it's completely different. You watch these movies in other countries and how they're doing stuff in school. It ain't the same. It's not the same at all. And even with me um, in my undergrad going to South Africa and being in their school systems from from preschool all the way up until college, how they do things from preschool to college is totally different from the U.S. Like, a whole... Whole different shifts, so it's like you can't compare the standards of academia and just knowledge in general when all the cultures are different. So that's just how I feel about this question.
1: I mean, I'm with you. I I even think about like locally. This is the issue we have right now. You know, like I got people not in the West End community trying to tell me what's the best way mm. to teach my West End babies. Ignoring the cultural context, ignoring the lived experiences, you know, so like I think about this didn't occur until I actually started teaching at KIPP Atlanta, where I wasn't asked for a vision before I met my students. Mm. Like prior to i had always, what's the vision for your class? What's the mission for your class? How can you set a vision when you don't know your content? Not content, but context. Yeah. How can I say, like, I want this for my kids when I don't know what my kids want?
0: Exactly. Like, do
1: my kids want to talk about these certain things? You know, I'm already having to teach them math, which most of them don't want to learn. So how then can can I invest them in something that they don't yet know the benefit of? Or believe in. Or believe in, you know? And that's also, like, this same thing about, like, who determines this standard? Who gets to tell tell these black folks in Africa that the way of life right now is inaccurate and that they need to relocate to America? Who said that that was okay? Exactly. That's the white man issue. they always trying to say Which, what huh. we can and what we should and shouldn't have versus listening. Um, I'm an Oakland native and I get sad when I go back home to see how much has changed
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: I question it a lot because the Oakland I grew up in was super diverse, the Oakland I grew up in was super loving the Oakland I grew up in was super hood and while we had criminal activity and all we were still us I could still walk down Mm -hmm. international, prostitutes pimps crackheads and all. Now, it ain't that. It's all of this like vibrant colored buildings and the streets are clean and it's really disheartening not to say that like those things aren't good, but the sense of identity was there. Mm. You know, like the presence of being able to talk to a neighbor isn't there as much. The those neighbors are, there. are right and like what makes what makes a community—the physicality or the people? Mm. You know, and so I think about like slaves and before they became slaves, how like they had their customs and community, and they were being—they were told they were inadequate. I have a tattoo that says, "I am en- I am enough the way that I am," because while I might not have what you have, you haven't gone through what I've gone through. So we shouldn't have the same things and our values shouldn't be the same. And I think that that was the issue with enslavement was that you had a group of people saying value this, ignoring what was already being valued. Um, That's just mine. So we're not talking about
0: present day, but I just see how this whole idea of yeah thinking better like one thing is better how it trickles down into today mm-hmm. um how you like you kept saying the word standard and it made me think of like standardized testing standard like how we have a set of standards across the whole entire country mm-hmm. first of all those standards were fit to help a young white man or boy out
1: mm-hmm. and
0: not our babies that we teach every day mm-hmm. and also you're trying to fit this one standard when it doesn't help. It may help people. Let's say these standards were built for people in the northeastern realm of the country. Those standards are not going to help our southern, our midwestern, our western babies Mm -hmm. because it's a set box. It's Mm -hmm. a set standard on their knowledge, set and skills, Mm -hmm. which is why people always say, oh, people in the south are slower or... People in the Midwest can't do this. People in the Delta are that. You're not creating those standards towards their right, customs. Right. Which is why you're saying they lack the knowledge.
1: Because I think about Dan, my husband, and how he always talks. You, going back to the tropical thing, mm-hmm. right? I shouldn't, being from Northern California, am I really going to have a lot of tropical question, climate questions on Mm-mm. my science exam? No, I should not. Exactly you need to talk to me about earthquakes and that type of stuff and potentially tsunamis. Or going to the beach. Duh! I am from Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Before I went to college, I went to a beach probably all of two times in my whole life and that started probably my junior and senior year in high school. So having questions about beaches, which is, okay, so let me tell you, this is actually legit real. My 10th grade year, we had to take the standardized state test and the question was talking about um, the question was talking about us going to a beach mm-hmm. and doing something there. I don't remember what it was, but I remember everybody's look on their face with confusion because we were like, we we grew up in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, this question about a beach but it's not clicking. But then you
1: get looked at for not knowing. Yeah.
0: And so here's the crazy part. All of the honors kids failed it and had to retake it
1: because you get looked at for not knowing. Yeah. But that, but why would I? I mean, part of my our responsibility as educators is to expose our kids, but also in exposing, you have to teach them. I remember, um, I want to say, Lau gave us like this PD on on like word problems, mm-hmm. and we were talking about outhouses, and she was like. Just give them some pictures of outhouses. That doesn't work. So that they can have, like, access to even know what an outhouse is. And then we start talking about, well, maybe there's a video we can provide to show how it it goes. And, like, the conversation of, like, that just started with, well, let's just add a picture when that's not even what's being done, right? Like, it's just word problems and we're explaining. But she's like, add a picture. And then it's like, well, yeah, we can add a video and now we can add context. We can make this into a research. Now, how can we build a whole, like, lesson that deals with outhouses so now kids learn them and have grappled with them? And so, like, the arc of going from none to really immersing a kid, even with not having to actually physically experience it, is super important.
0: Exactly. And, like... Cause it's like, you can tell a kid something like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you can say that you can say a beach. Mm -hmm. I've seen one before, but have I experienced it? No. Mm -hmm. And it's like just allowing kids the access or allowing enslaved people to have that access. It would open up so many doors on knowledge.
1: Well, y'all, um, we have thoroughly enjoyed y'all. Um in the time around. We didn't get to all of the questions we wanted to talk about in our closing question, but we're for sure about to pull it out um on our social platforms. Um, so definitely let us know your thoughts and reflections on this conversation. Um, and then where are you thinking at when it comes to this? Like what determines the standard of knowledge? Um do you think slavery would have actually gone as long as it did had the, the access to knowledge both ways been there? Like, what are you, what are your thoughts and reflections? Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Steph, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I have
0: every time we have um, a session, they just mind blown. Look,
1: while we research and we prepare for these conversations, um, when we come to them, it's still mind-blowing to, to hear mm-hmm. the intersectionality of all of this and then to, to regurgitate some of this stuff and then understand how it relates to nowadays. We hope that this has been profound for you as it has been for us.
0: Yes. And as always, we love y'all. Um, stay blessed. And make sure that you are checking out our social media platforms. Um, You know that you can find us at R-O-T-M-E-D-U again, Rue the Matter, E-D-U on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And again, we have some great amazing things coming out. Um, You'll hear about them in the near future. Who knows, it might
1: It's been a pleasure as your host Amber and your host Stephy too. Not Stephy too. We ain't doing that. <laughs> okay, Steph. Steph, Steph, <laughs> Stephy, Steph. All right. Um, but as y'all's hosts, we've enjoyed y'all. We hope y'all have a blessed week. All right.
0: Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Black people, hey, put your fist up high. You're a king, you're a queen, you are great by design. Black people, hey, put your fist up high. You'll achieve anything if you use your mind. I'm proud to I'm be, proud black, to be, black, be black, and black, and that's a and big and fact. A big I'm, fact. Proud I'm proud to be, to be black, and that's a big fact. I'm proud to be black, and that's a big fact. A big I'm proud to be black, and that's a big a fact.